I'm so broken in so many ways. Like I was in a very good shape as a young kid. And we just put our bodies through a lot and I'm completely paying for that now for not. I wish I would have done some things differently. You know what I mean? I wish I would have took care of the injuries. I wish I wouldn't have, you know, relied on, let's say, painkillers to, to get me through. You're listening to the iHeartRadio Canada Talk Network, and this is Life Matters with Tony Chapman, presented by RBC. Did you hear the bullets? Hear them. He's cutting the damn grass around my head. The trees, you know. Can you imagine? How the hell can you imagine that? I had 32 men on the boat. Three men got off the boat and made the beach. And they were cut down immediately. I, I'm kind of numb to it. Like, to be honest, I just don't really feel much. See, I try not to think about it. Because when you think about it, then I get like this. And it's not, you know, I don't... Lest we forget. (sighs) Yeah. Well, at times it's easy to forget about how others have sacrificed to defend our freedoms, our democracy, our way of life. I mean, World War I was over a hundred years ago. We watch movies, some play video games, but do we truly ever put ourselves in the boots of others who've marched on our behalf? Do we imagine what it'd be like to walk down a road or even go to sleep knowing that the goal of your enemy is to take your life? Or to be knee-deep in cold, wet mud, not because you fell into it, because that's the place you're going to live for an extended period of time. Life Matters is also available as a podcast. Download and listen to the latest episode. Find it using your iHeartRadio Canada app. This week on Life Matters, I'm chatting with Kyle Davidson, a combat engineer who served the Canadian Armed Forces from 26 to 2018. 2011 and 12, Kyle was stationed in Afghanistan. His job was to clear the roads of mines ahead of troop movement. Twice, Kyle was blown up, first in an armed vehicle, and then later when he stepped on a device that sent him crashing into rocks. Kyle suffered brain trauma, but he didn't quit or come home, even though he was offered that option. In fact, the opposite, he stayed in because he loved his job and he didn't want to leave his friends behind. But where Kyle's story gets even more remarkable, and what matters most is what he's doing today to help other veterans deal with their injuries, and more importantly, fight their way back into society with lives that are purposeful and productive. Kyle Davidson, it it is an honor. Welcome to Life Matters. Thank you. Kyle, you're not only a war veteran, you've seen battle. You were in a vehicle that blew up, and in turn, you stepped on a landmine. But before we get into all of that and the price you paid and what you're doing in terms of devoting your life going forward, I want to first talk about your life. Where'd you grow up? Uh, I was born and raised in uh, Fredericton, New Brunswick. So tell me a little bit about your childhood. I was your average uh, child growing up in the 90s. I spent my time outside playing with my friends. We were a middle class family, I would say, um, you know, we struggled to make ends meet sometimes. Uh, I played baseball and hockey every year and anyone that has kids in those sports back then knows how expensive those sports were to, you know, especially when you have two or three kids in the house. Kyle, what's the best lesson you ever got from your parents? Appreciate what you can earn. You see people nowadays when they, they do a good deed for someone, they have to post it on social media or they have to look for some recognition for doing this good deed. 
my parents just always taught me to help people regardless of what, what you're going to get in return. When I went to Afghanistan, I knew I was going to save all my money up and I was going to put it down on my first house. My mom and dad didn't give me a down payment. They, you know, it was, I bought it. It was mine. So tell me about Kyle as a student. What would the teachers say about you? Well, I was considered um, unteachable. I, I was, uh, I had ADHD. I was diagnosed in grade three or four. The first thing everyone wanted to do was put kids on Ritalin and ADHD medications. Uh, my parents didn't really believe in medicating their kids. So did you have any teachers that adored you? Or were they all wondering, why do we have this kid in our classroom? <laughs> I had, yeah, I definitely did. I had teachers who, you know, they saw the potential in me and would push me. But I also had those teachers that, you know, told me I was going to be a drug addict or I was going to be a, a deadbeat or I wasn't going to go anywhere. I'm chatting with Kyle Davidson. What I've learned so far, how easy it is for us to compartmentalize people and how dangerous it is to do so. So Kyle, take me back to the day you walk into a recruitment office. What was your motivation for going in there, putting your name on that paper and saying you're willing to serve for Canada? My grandfather was, was my hero. He was the coolest guy around. He, you know, he wore a kilt <laughs> and was a soldier. You know, like he, I don't know how much more badass you can get. He always used to tell me about when you joined, like being in the military, he said, there's two different lives your military and your civilian life. When you come home, military turns off, you take off the uniform, you put it up in your closet, go about your normal day. You go to work, you put that uniform on. Kyle, there was more than your grandfather that motivated you to enlist that day. What else was going on? I was 19. I was leaving a friend's house. Police officer pulled me over and he said, you know, I smell beer, son. And I said, yes, sir. I had two beers. I was just at my friend's house playing some poker. He said, you know, I have to breathalyze you. I said, yeah, not a problem. I will happily uh, blow on that. And I did. And I was over just a little bit. And, you know, the officer even felt bad. I could see it in his face. He's like, son, you know, you're, you're over. And, you know, that's, that's the law. And I said, I went home. It obviously tore me up. My parents weren't happy. You know, their son had just got a DUI. What happened next? I ended up going to the court and the judge looked at me and he said, Mr. Davidson, he said, either you're going to learn from this and I'll never see you again, or you won't learn from this and you'll be back in here again. He said, I hope I never have to see you again. I don't know what it was. It was just, that was the time for me to go up to the recruitment center. I walked into the recruitment center and when I walked in, there was these guys in these black wet suits with their black mask on and they had their guns and they were kind of creeping through the water. And I just looked at the recruiting guy and I kind of said, Oh, like, what's, what's that guy? He said, those are combat divers. He said, you know, if you want to, you want to do that, you first have to go into the combat engineer. I think a lot of people just think they can join the army and they can go do these cool guy jobs. And it's just, some people are designed for it and some people aren't. What did you learn about the people who do and don't? Someone who has got that mentality and holds the presence, takes leadership, owns his mistakes. That's the biggest thing that I ever learned in the military. As soon as I started owning my own mistakes growth just comes with that. Do you think you made that decision that day to enlist as a way of saying you're sorry to your parents or honoring your grandfather? I think it was, you could show up there. It didn't matter who your mom or dad was, what your income was. It didn't matter the color of your skin, your religion, nothing. I read that you felt very comfortable in the military. Why was that? You walked in that door, the guy to your right, the woman to your left, the whatever you want. They're all the same, and you're only going to get those positions by how well you produce. So if you produce well, you're going to excel. You know, I bet a lot of people that went through basic, they lasted maybe one week, you know, and that's, there's nothing wrong with that. I would never say that those people are weak or, or 
anything because it's some people just aren't cut out for it and they and it's just not for them what does that teach you about yourself when you show up with a group of people like that, that are like-minded you can see there's a lot of energy and you feed off each other and you grow and then when you go off to these different units and you're in that small group and that small family oriented these are all very intelligent like-minded people who want to share and you know you build off each other Hi, it's Tony Chapman, and you're listening to Life Matters. Text me at any time at 71010, and I promise to write back or connect with me at chatterthatmatters.ca. Coming up next, Kyle Davidson gets shipped off to Afghanistan. Is he ready? Is anyone ready? Life Matters with Tony Chapman will return in a moment on the iHeartRadio Talk Network. Download the latest episode of Life Matters as a podcast from your iHeartRadio Canada app, presented by RBC. Now more with Tony Chapman. This week on Life Matters, I'm chatting with Kyle Davidson, a combat engineer who served the Canadian Armed Forces from 26 to 2018. His job was to clear the roads and mines ahead of troop movement. So you get shipped off to Afghanistan. Are you ready to go? No one really preps you for what it's going to be like over there or what you're going to see or what you're going to do and all that stuff. But you're trained. Why do you feel you weren't completely prepared? I can't ever relate to seeing a child die or getting blown up or having to take a life because I've never done any of these things. When you're talking with someone who can relate to a situation, the, the conversation is a lot more in depth and it's more meaningful because, you know, this person next to me isn't judging me. You know, I, when I tried to explain something to my father for the first time, my father couldn't wrap his brain around that. Why is that? (sighs) We're so desensitized to what we see on TV all the time. You know, people think of war and blah, blah, blah. Like I can still remember going to Afghanistan, people on the plane being like, oh, I can't wait to get into a firefight. I can't wait to blow up. I can't wait to take someone's life. So what did you think? First of all, I don't want to blow up. I don't want to take anyone's life. And I just want to get through and make it home and be done with it. And it's those people that are talking, they're always the ones that are the weakest. You can pick those guys out. That's just science right down to the T. The talkers are always the weakest link. As much as they're talking their big call of duty and I'm super tough game, at the end of the day, they're looking to guys like us that we're holding our shit together and getting us through those intense situations. Can you give us an example? The day I blew up, my sergeant went black. He, I blew up and he just shut down. He, like he was in charge of comms. He was our link to our forward operating base. And he went blank. There was air support in the air. He was supposed to be controlling that. And he just wasn't even talking. He was just sitting in the seat. And I ended up as a corporal taking over the air support that day. I'm not even qualified to do that, but in situations like that, it's you got to people got to step up and you know not wait because seconds can lead to your death. Kyle, I'm going to get back to you on patrol, but first I want you to paint me a picture. You land in Afghanistan for the first time. You get to the front. You go through the door. You're walking off the plane for the first time. How did you feel, and what did you see? 
it's a very surreal feeling. Um, but then again, we're also young guys that are, we're amped up or we're, we're ready to go, you know? So age makes a difference. Between the age of 16 to 28, that is the best time to mold them. They're impressionable. You can, you know, pretty much convince them to do almost anything. That's why the military loves them. Okay. So the door opens. What's in front of you? Big, big, big air, Kandahar airfield, which we call as CAF, K-A-F. So on this little area, let's say it's like 20 miles by 20 miles, the Kandahar airfield base. Within those walls, there's, you know, 80,000 people. You know, there's 12 different countries, all of their equipment. You know, I always tell people to just Google on Google Maps, just go look at the Kandahar airfield in Afghanistan and zoom in on Google Maps and you'll have your mind blown away. What was Canada's role? We were transitioning from Canada, trying to build relationships and Americans were buying up our bases as we were pulling out. And, you know, you watch America bring in almost 100,000 soldiers. Canada only has 50,000 soldiers. We only had 5,000 soldiers over in Afghanistan. Maybe a thousand of them are combat soldiers. Canada has like 120 different trades in the military, right? But your combat arms trades are your infantry, combat engineers, artillery, and your armor. Those are your combat soldiers. So what was your role? I was a combat engineer. What does a combat engineer do? They are the guys that are going to pretty much prevent the enemy from, a, from advancing towards you. And also they're going to work at moving and mobility of your army, getting explosives out of the ground. So we do EOD stuff. We do the breaching. So when the infantry is doing their thing going forward, if they come across explosives, they need that engineer to come up, clear that explosives. He's always a guy with the metal detector clearing the path. We do underwater demolitions. We do underwater construction, removing debris, like so ships can come into the harbor. So tell us what a day is like for Kyle Davidson waking up in Afghanistan. Usually get up around three in the morning over there. We're on the roads by about 4.30. And our job was to drive all those roads to make sure there's no explosives in there. So who goes out with you on patrol? 20 guys. We had two vehicles, which were called, the lead vehicles are your Huskies. They're these V-shaped uh, vehicles that when an explosion goes off, an explosion will take the path of least resistance, right? So with a V-shaped hull, when the explosion goes, it goes around the hull, doesn't rip the vehicle apart. So you had the right equipment. When we went over to Afghanistan, we were sending our guys over there with equipment from 1940. That's why we lost so many guys in Afghanistan. Then finally, we got the equipment that we needed clearing these roads, and our vehicles could go down that day, and they could drive down them and not be worried about blowing up. Because that's what our job was. Man, you're right. You have to be over there experiencing that to fully understand. How could you go out every day knowing you could blow up? Or in fact, it was your job to blow up. It's strange. It's only like that for uh, the first day or two. You know, and eventually it's just like anything, you kind of get compliance. And that's why you end up having incidents happen, right? When we arrive there, um, the Taliban is watching us, right? They know our turnaround rates. They're watching when we, they'll put fake stuff in the ground just to see how we'll get out and how we'll look at it. And be like, okay, so that's how they're doing everything. So now if we put a bomb over there, we'll be able to get them. Like they would put bombs in cigarette packs. They would take guns, break it down, put bombs into the, into the piping and then leave it on the ground. So you went to pick it up, it would blow your hands off. It's keeping you at that heightened level all the time. So you're in a vehicle when it got hit, but you also stepped on an explosive. How did that happen? When they ever, they find a bomb, like those two Huskies have is taking pictures underground. So when it's driving over the ground, 
it's taking pictures. That's why it's called GPR, ground penetrating radar. It's going to take pictures underground. And when it gets an anomaly, anomaly, they shoot a red ink on the ground. And then that vehicle will drive ahead. And then we'll set up a cordon and then say, hey, Davidson, we got, uh, we got a hit. We need to go down and see if it's a bomb. And that was what my job was. Search the ground to see what it is. I mean, you're not looking for coins like the guy sweeping on a public beach. You're probing with a stick for a bomb. I have like a little prodding stick that I can push through the ground and it will hit something metal or hit something rock. So when I hit rock, I go onto my comms and I said, hey, Sergeant, I just hit a rock. I'm pretty sure it's a rock that just set off that GPR. All right, Davidson, it's your call. All right, good to go. Uh, So I stand up. Every time I search an area, I don't remember a lot. Um, (laughs) The guy that was in the lead vehicle just kind of said I was going through the air and it was like all the rocks were around me, but they weren't hitting me. And when I kind of came to, I did, I went right for my penis and legs. And then I was trying to go on my comms. And at this time it's quite cloudy. It's dust everywhere. There's kind of chaos is going on. What happens next? So blow up and EOD shows up, which is explosive ordnance disposal guys and do like the police investigation of it. Right. After they've done their thing, they were like, all right, guys, you guys can head back to base. Base was about, oh, 20, 25 kilometers away. And we had to clear road on the way back still. I mean, you must've been in shock. How did you function? It was, I think that was the hardest thing was after we had left, I smoked probably like two packs of cigarettes in under like an hour. I was just pretty in a weird, weird spot, you know, trying to process how I was still there. My adrenaline was so high. Um, I didn't even know what pain I was in at that very moment. Do you know what I mean? Nothing had really, I was in a weird fight or flight situation still. Yeah. It's, I can't really describe it. It's a, it's a high, but I always try to tell people, if I could get the high that I had from being in war, it's, I, can't, I can't describe it. It's, it's intoxicating, the, the feeling. I've always liked people like Kyle Davidson, the straight shooters that tell you how it is. They don't hide behind social media validation. They don't care about what other people think. They just put it out there. Kyle's case, he, he's not afraid to tell you he loved the adrenaline of, of being in combat. He was honored to serve our country. Coming up next, Kyle's superiors give him an option to come home. But Kyle says no, he can't leave his buddies behind, even though his brain is telling him otherwise. Life Matters with Tony Chapman will return in a moment on the iHeartRadio Talk Network. Hi, it's Tony Chapman, and a big thank you to RBC for sponsoring Life Matters. Speaking of matters, I have a question for you. You check in on your family, the status of your health or car. When was the last time you did a check-in with your finances? Well, RBC Check-In is a virtual experience with no obligation. I got answers to all of my money questions, big and small, and I now have a plan for my future. Book a check-in at rbc.com slash check-in. You're going back in? There's still men out there. When I go home, people ask me, Hey, who? Why do you do it, man? Why? understand why we do it they want to understand it's about the men next to you and that's it 
That's all it is. You're listening to Life Matters with Tony Chapman, presented by RBC on the iHeartRadio Canada Talk Network. This week on Life Matters, I'm chatting with Kyle Davidson, a combat engineer who served the Canadian Armed Forces. Kyle was stationed in Afghanistan. His job was to clear the roads and mines ahead of troop movement. Twice, Kyle was blown up, first in an armed vehicle, and then later when he stepped on a device that sent him crashing into rocks. So did you come home right afterwards? My chain of command came down and said, hey, Kyle, you know, you've done your job here, man. Like, why don't you just, you know, pack up your bags and and, and call it short, you know? But you couldn't go, could you? You can't leave your buddies. That would have been that time where I would have left and something would have happened to them and then I would have been living with that. So, no, I just was staying no matter what. I wasn't going to leave them. So months later, you have your legs, but you're not right, are you? How did you start really finding out? what you were dealing with. The combat divers have their own private doctor. I told him what had happened and he instantly was just like, I, I think you have a brain injury. I think you had a concussion. I think it wasn't healed and you're, you know, you're suffering the consequences now because I was forgetting stuff. I didn't know where I was sometimes. Uh, well, it was a lot of the times. Uh, depression was taking over, anxiety, but I was constantly fighting it. I just kept on like, no, I don't care. I'll I'll, I'll fight it. But I, at this point, I was so hard on to the Percocets, like painkillers, that I was able to subside all the pain. And your injury just kept pounding at your brain. I was no longer sleeping at night. I was up all the time. I was having night terrors. Dreams were getting a little more intense. So you're in denial because you wanted to keep your job. But more testing proved it wasn't something you could hide or a job you could continue to do. My brain injury was... Un- getting worse or, and they kind of just were like, you're going to eventually maybe possibly have seizures or there's something else. I can't remember, uh, strokes. How did the Canadian military step up? Uh, you're going to go into a touchy area on that one. Um, cause everyone just assumed I had PTSD and there was the stigma going around that the, the main reason why I didn't want to get diagnosed with PTSD because I didn't want to lose my job and I didn't want to be labeled as a guy with PTSD. And one day, despite all your trying, your doctor finally spelled it out. Hey, Mr. Davidson, with your brain injury, you can't dive and you can't be around explosives anymore. So you're done. You gotta, you gotta leave. So how did you react? I knew that I only had two years of so much help, right? And you can draw your pension and do all that stuff, but it's just not, you're, you're not going to sustain a good life. Kyle, I have a tough question. You blew up twice, once when you stepped on an explosive. You have a brain injury that will be with you for your life, and your body's being beaten up. Do you have any regrets? I see Kyle Davidson who went and did a job that he always wanted to do. And I think people like yourself who pay your taxes so that I could have a salary to, to do the job that I love. No bitterness. So when you get out of the military, I'm qualified to bring the prime minister into uh, a hotel, you know, and have that building cleared. I'm a breacher. I'm a master diver. But when you get out of the military, it's so strange. As soon as we leave the military, they're nothing. They are of no qualification. Like if I wanted to go be a police officer, I couldn't go be a police officer 
because I'd have to go do the six month course. But now in the American military, they can go and transition into those jobs. But when I started the consulting company, we wanted to also be able to bring in these veterans that get lost. You know, they, they're about to get out of the military. You know, they've got an injury. They, they feel useless. They feel like no one likes them. They feel like no one's there for them. They feel lost. You know, they're, they're in a very, it's, they're, they're in a very, it's, it's a scary spot. And when, you know, some people don't know your full story, but they'd rather just judge you before even knowing, which is like the new thing to do nowadays. So your life going forward is to help. I'm sitting here investing every dollar I have to just try and help. Even if I help one person, I'll be good. So you create this oasis, this utopia. A place where we could have two to four veterans here on the property with their own little apartment. We're right now in the process of building the gym, doing tons of landscaping just to make it more accessible. What kind of problems will a vet bring when they come to your place? I'm, I'm trying to kick alcohol or I'm trying to kick drugs or, you know, me and my wife are, we're, we're about to get divorced or I'm struggling financially. I'm not here to make your problem go away. I'm here to get you back into a level mindset so that you can make the proper decision. I imagine even the simplest decisions can be paralyzing. If you come back from a combat zone in a world where you aren't sure you belong, do you still feel that way? I mean, I don't look like someone who would be afraid of going into a Walmart. Do you know what I mean? But I get tons of stress just even going into a public place. So you create this utopia, this oasis, where vets can come and have a soft landing, climatize themselves back into society. Give me a sense of how they spend their days. Here, they'll be able to come and do golfing, gym, uh, go swimming in the lake, walk along the beach. They can go fishing. There's just mountain bike trails. It's just a great environment in a, a very quiet area, which will hopefully calm down some voices in people's heads. So Kyle, another tough question. You're helping others, but are you working on helping yourself? We stopped trying to fix the injury and we started working with living with the injury. And as soon as we started, things have been better. When you're trying to fix an injury that can't be fixed, you're just going to always set yourself up for failure. I'm now focused better more on my health. And you have three children. Are they part of your dream? My children are part of this. So they're growing up. And I really personally think that they're going to be way more involved in helping, uh, helping people as well. I'm hoping uh, there's something that they just... They, they add their own take onto it as time goes on because they have met so many people in this process. Like, And your dream is now starting to light up around the world. I've linked up with people from uh, the Navy SEAL unit down in the States, other people in other countries that have the same goal and the same ideas. Kyle Davidson, you don't like to be called a hero. You prefer to be seen as a average guy who had a job that he loved and got it done. I, however, see you different. You are a hero. Thank you for fighting for Canada, a country that I love. And thank you for being part of Life Matters. All right. It was good talking with you, Tony. You have yourself a great weekend. The day I shipped out, the number a dozen. Coming up next, I've got Lisa Taylor, who's the founder and CEO of The Challenge Factory. If you're a fan of my podcast, Chatter That Matters, you know that I interviewed Lisa at the beginning of April when the pandemic hit. She's one of the smartest people when it comes to understanding the future of work. 
And not just what's happening because of this virus, but with automation and technology and culture and diversity and all the fusion of change that's happening. If you're curious about what's next, if you're uh, in school, if you're studying, if you feel like you're in need of a pivot, check out Lisa Taylor at The Challenge Factory. But today she's going to talk about some of her findings that she's learned after studying and working with the veterans for the past eight years. And carry me home down the highway of heroes, people above with the flags flying low. You're listening to the iHeartRadio Canada Talk Network. We'll be right back with more Life Matters with Tony Chapman. Life Matters with Tony Chapman continues on the iHeartRadio Canada Talk Network. Joining me on Life Matters is Lisa Taylor. She's the founder and CEO of The Challenge Factory. In April, I had an opportunity to talk with Lisa about the future of work, beginning of the pandemic, technology disruption. And Lisa's one of the smartest people because she's consumed and focused on what's next for us. So if you've got any curiosity in terms of how are you going to find productivity, purpose, and passion in the workforce, I encourage you to listen to that podcast at chatterthatmatters.ca or just check out The Challenge Factory. Lisa, welcome to Life Matters. Hi, Tony. It's great to be here. About three weeks ago, you sent me a preview of some of the work you're doing with veterans. I know you've worked with them for almost a decade, but what's the latest findings and what can our country be doing to make sure we do a better job letting these veterans come back after they served and find a way to continue to uh, to serve their passion. I think it comes down to us just becoming a little bit more aware of what it's really like to serve in the military. Canadians and Canadian employers tend not to have a real in-depth understanding of just what it's like to serve. They tend to think of things that they see in the movies as the way that the military actually is. And so what ends up happening is we end up focusing on the stories that sound like the movies, as opposed to the everyday skills, the training, the amazing opportunities that these men and women can bring into businesses to translate what they've been doing for decades in their military career into the civilian workplace. Talking with Lisa Taylor from the Challenge Factory. So some of the findings, can you give us sort of the top line of what we could do a better job with? If we're an employer or even somebody that works in an organization, encouraging our employers to uh, take a, a better look at vets. Sure. So in our research for the Canadian Guide to Hiring Veterans, we found that employers really believe all kinds of things that aren't true about veterans. They believe that they are incredibly commanding, that they're very dominant in their conversation style and in the way that they're going to do work. And they believe that all kinds of things were going to motivate the veteran that actually is not what they're looking for from work. Veterans aren't looking for entry-level work. They're skilled, experienced, fit, and ready to help. And what they want to be able to do is to continue their careers. They want to be exceptional team members. They want to be collaborative. They know how to both lead and follow. And they bring amazing skills in areas like operations management, supply chain management, um, project management. They're great in customer service or any kind of relationship type role. They tend to come out of the military and get streamed into things like security. You used to do this. Now this is the closest civilian job that we can come up with that looks like that. It's actually not true. They can thrive and actually help small, medium and large businesses grow 
just by using their skills in the same types of work that they did when they were serving. So Lisa Taylor from the Challenge Factory, if we wanted to find out more of the work you've done with veterans, where would we go? Challengefactory.ca under publications. Lisa Taylor, thanks for joining me on Life Matters. Thanks so much. One of the things that this pandemic has done is it's forced me to do a lot of interviews remote. So I get to see the person over the screen, sort of like a Zoom call, but I never really get to shake their hands or spend time with them. So I was so moved by Kyle Davidson's story that I I wanted to go to the source, somebody that's actually met Kyle and spent time with him. So I tracked down Bruce Robinson, who's the assistant manager and advisor, RBC in Fredericton, and I wanted to chat about him because he knows Kyle. Bruce, welcome to Life Matters. Thanks, Tony. So what struck you the most about Kyle's story? You know, something interesting. So I first met Kyle uh, as a kid. We played uh, baseball together. Kyle was the kid that always had a ton of energy, uh, wanted to have fun. You know, he was a leader. Many, many years later, he's walking into the bank, and I meet him in a totally different, uh, different frame of mind. You know, he's telling me about everything, these things he's experienced uh, in the military, things that I can't imagine, awful things that he's gone through that's happened in his life. Now he's taken that and he's got this idea for this project, this thing he wants to do. I'm seeing the energy, that enthusiasm that I saw when we were six, seven, eight, nine, ten 10 years old. You know, it's back. It's really cool to see that he's taking, you know, finding something from the awful things he's gone through and trying to turn that into something positive. Let's talk about what he's gone through. Kyle walks in, sees this picture of this cool diver, Turns into a master diver, combat engineer. Uh, when he's touring in Afghanistan, his job's to clear the road. He's poking around. He feels it's clear, but he says, I'm never going to walk away knowing someone else could step on my mistake. Steps on a device, blows up. He crashes into rocks, gets a severe brain trauma. And they came to him after and said, you've done your job. You can go home. And his comment was, I'm not ready to go home because my friends are still here. You think of that kind of determination. I can't imagine I would be running to get on a plane and here's the person saying, no, I'm going to stick around because my friends still need me. Yeah. And I mean, that's, I'm, I'm the same boat as you. I, I can't really imagine that either. Um, but knowing Kyle, it's, that's his way. Like, you know, when he talked about going into that office, he sees the diver on that poster. Well, he wants to be that guy on the poster because he's just like, that's cool. I like that right there. And I'm going to become that. Not just because I think it looks like he's like, I'm going to embody everything that is that. And so, you know, that doesn't surprise me with him because that's how he's defining himself. He's like, I'm, these are my guys. This is my squad. And, and I'm, and I'm with them to the end. When I think of banking, I often think about you evaluating ideas based on the numbers only, how they add up. How important is the things that we're talking about in terms of heart, determination, uh, a desire to do something. How does that factor in when people are sitting down and chatting with banks? Yeah, no, it's a great question. Um, Kyle has heart. And when a client comes in and they have determination, they have heart, it's really important. You know, when I meet with a client at the bank, I have to do what we call discovery or know your client. Uh, this is where I find out what keeps them up at night, what their hopes and dreams, what's their goal, what do they want to achieve? And once I know this, I still have to make the numbers work. But if they don't work today, then I have to provide the advice so maybe it can work next month or next year 
or sometime in the future. When you have a client like Kyle who has that heart and that desire, if they really want to realize their dream, they're much more likely to follow that advice that I give them if they trust me as an advisor because they're dedicated to that goal. Ultimately, the numbers have to work, but it's just, it's not always black and white, yes or no. It's, are we there today or can we be there tomorrow? Talking to Bruce Robinson, I want to thank you for joining Life Matters. And I envy you because you've got to play baseball with Kyle Davidson as a young age and you've reconnected with him now and he thinks the world of you. So uh, thank you for being part of Life Matters. Appreciate it, Tony. Happy to be here. Lest we forget, if I can't imagine, how can I forget? I mean, I can watch war movies on an IMAX screen with sense around, read history books, documentaries, but I've never felt or smelled or see. I don't know what it means to try not to drown or rot or be shot in a trench of cold, wet mud festering with disease, or to be greeted each day with an endless landscape of barbed wire twisted to catch you like a spider catches a fly. I can't imagine what it sounds like to hear a machine gun that showers bullets or a bomb screaming down on you. And above all, I can't imagine being an innocent teenager who leaves behind their childhood and family and friends, pretends to be not scarce or shipped off to battle another human being. I can't imagine one moment, let alone a day, week, or what must have felt like an eternity. So for all of you who have served or worn a uniform in combat or otherwise, including my parents who have left me. I can't imagine what you sacrificed, but I can tell you, I am eternally grateful that you did. Thank you. Thanks for joining me on Life Matters. Next week, we chat with Brooke Henderson. At age 23, this phenom has already won more professional tournaments than any other Canadian male or female golfer. And she's going to share what it takes to be the very best you can be. Tony Chapman, thanks for listening to Life Matters. We'll chat soon. Life Matters with Tony Chapman has been a presentation of RBC. You can also hear a brand new episode every Friday across your iHeartRadio Canada talk network.